Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our student pastor, Joey Tusillo. Morning, Northridge. Hey, uh, I'm excited this morning, uh, but before we get into our message, uh, real quick, I just want to tell you that there is so much power and so much life change that can come from when you send your kid to a retreat or to a camp. Uh, so I know it's the season right now where we're starting to register for all the camps this summer and signing up for the spring retreats. I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, make sure that your kid goes to those things. I've seen countless lives change by just a week away, a couple days away from normal life and away from distractions. So I wanna encourage you this morning, if you're a middle school or a high school parent, you should sign up for the weekend, okay? The weekend is gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be March 10th through the 11th, uh, and we have a guest speaker coming uh, from, who works from CIY, uh, and he's gonna just unpack a lot of stuff, uh, and we're gonna have tons of games and different activities, uh, but we don't want you to miss out on this event. Uh, so the deadline was actually yesterday, but I'm extending it until Wednesday because I believe that we can get more students to have life change because of this event. So if you're a parent of a middle school or high school student, make sure you sign up uh, for that event. But hey, uh, speaking of retreats and and camps and stuff like that, I want to start off this morning by telling you a story about an old student of mine. Uh, Her name was Allie. Look to the person to your left and say, Allie. Allie. Wow, you guys got to do way better than that. Okay. Hey, look to the person to your right and say, Allie. Yes, Allie was a rock star student. Um, she, she just loved Jesus so much. Uh, and we went to a retreat one time. It was a winter retreat. So we were gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we came back, and, and I could just tell that Allie was on fire for Jesus. Uh, she got to, to dig through some truths that she was struggling to understand, and she walked away with this unreal faith just on fire for Jesus, ready to share her faith with her friends. So Monday morning rolls around and she goes to school and she decides that she's gonna wear our youth group t-shirt to school. You can see it right here in this picture. It's like got this flying saucer, like this guy was getting abducted. It was awesome, I loved it. Uh, So Allie, she wore it to school and uh, she sat sat down in, in her homeroom class. And soon a friend came in and sat down next to her and she's like, oh my gosh, Allie, that shirt is so cool. I love it. Like that little spaceship thing. Is it, is it like a rock band shirt? Like, like 80s, 90s? What is that from? First off, that was the biggest compliment about this shirt because I designed it. Um, <laughs> Allie was like, no, 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 no. Uh, it, it's our youth group shirt. Like every year our youth pastor, he makes us a shirt that we can wear to different events. We can wear them to you know youth group and we can wear them to school anywhere we want. And she was like, wait a second, you got a youth group? You got a church? You're a Christian? And Allie was like, yeah, like you you know that I I go to youth group. Like it's it's like my favorite thing. I love it so much. You know what? You should go. You should come and and be a part of our youth group. And instantly the the conversation got awkward. Friend went, "Uh, no, no, I'm good. And the conversation ended. Well, later on that day, Allie was walking in the hallway And that same friend and a group of her friends came up to Allie and got in her face. And I don't understand this, but they just started barking like a dog. 
Like, woo, 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 woo. they weren't Georgia fans, by the way. And they just started barking in her face and they made these comments about how, how she goes to church and mocked her shirt and, and marked that she was, uh, mocked the fact that she went to youth group. Allie was just didn't know, didn't know what to do and, and how to respond to this. And so uh, she, we talked later on about it. I told her, Allie, look, like, as we believe in Jesus, like, there are going to be people who, who disagree with the things that we believe in. They're going to mock us. They're, they're going to ridicule us. Like, even when Jesus came to this planet, like, he wasn't accepted. He was rejected. And his disciples, it was the same exact thing. Like, they were persecuted. That's what we're talking about this morning, this idea of persecution, And so here's our sermon in a sentence. Persecution comes to those who live faithfully different in the eyes of unbelievers. Let me say it one more time. Persecution comes to those who live faithfully different in the eyes of unbelievers. Let's pray together this morning before we get into God's word. God, I thank you so much for this moment this morning, this opportunity that we get to step into uh, just a room filled with believers. Guys, that is so amazing. And I'm thankful for it. Father, I pray that this morning as we leave this place that we would be on fire for you. That we would have a faith that is just unshakable. And that we would live a life so different compared to the people around us. Father, stir in our hearts. Start something new. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in this series, right, called Dear Church, Uh, and this is a series on the seven letters to the seven different churches, and John writes it while he's in prison in the island of Patmos. Last week, Adam, he talked about the first letter, right, the letter to Ephesus, Uh, and he reminded us that we we are called to to remember our first love, which is to love others, because this church, they had gotten so wrapped around the truth that they had forgotten and and, kind of lost faith in, in loving others, and Adam did a great job. Uh, but I, I will say that he took the easy week. Like, he got to talk about God's love. I get persecution. All right, anyways, I, I, I get it. Um, I'm the new person on staff. Just a joke. Uh, I, love, I love my job. Uh, so... <laughs> Hey, this morning we're talking about persecution, and we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. But before we get there, I want to tell you some cultural things that are happening in the city of Smyrna, because this is the letter that is being written to the church in Smyrna. So here's six things that you need to know about the city of Smyrna. Number one, it is the first Roman city in Asia. First Roman city. So it's got this like long-standing faith legacy with the Roman Empire. That's the first thing you should know. Number two, it's home of imperial cults. Fun facts. Uh, they are so in, in, infatuated with Rome and all the things that they believe in that these Jews, they've kind of forgotten a little bit, and they're a part of Roman uh, and imperial cults. Which leads me into the, the third thing you should know. This was the first city to build a temple to the goddess Roma. And then the number four, because of this city's long-standing loyalty, they were selected to build a temple and a statue to Emperor Tiberius. They were selected, as in they were chosen because of their faith, their trust, their loyalty in Rome. That's a big deal. Number five, they also built uh, different temples to other gods, right? Zeus and Sybil. Uh, and this is a big deal because in number six, this is exactly what they're proud of. This picture right here is a picture of a thing that they call the crown of Smyrna. So in in the town of Smyrna, there is a low-level area where the town is, and it's right next to the water. 
But this cliff sits in the center of the town, and it is absolutely gorgeous, so beautiful. But if you notice on this picture, there are five white buildings, and those are the temples to these pagan gods, to these emperors. And this is what they call the crown of Smyrna. They take so much joy that they have this. They are so proud of this. It's kind of disgusting. But here's where the church sits in this. Here's what you need to know about the church in Smyrna. They are the minority in their belief in their town. They are the minority religion in their town. There's not a lot of other people who believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross. But they have faith. But they have faith. So let's read our text this morning. Revelation 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. This is what John writes. He says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last and who died and came to life again. If we were to pause right there, uh, you need to know that Jesus is saying these words, right? Jesus is saying these words to John as he is writing them down. If you don't believe me, it says he is the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. That is Jesus. If you need it any clearer, he says it's the man who died and he came back to life again. Guys, that's a short list of people who've done that. Jesus is at the top of it. Okay, so Jesus is saying these words that we are reading this morning. These are his words. And this is what he says to the church. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as the victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. There are two truths that I I see in this text. And, And the first one is this. Persecution affects us in earthly ways, but we are rewarded in heavenly ways. Uh, verse 9 shows us that this is a current persecution. Like it is happening right now to these people as they're opening up this letter and they're reading it. Jesus says, I know the afflictions that you are facing. I know the poverty that you are experiencing. He knows. I imagine they took some comfort in knowing that their Savior knew their pain. And I imagine it's a comfort to you to know that the God of the universe who created you. He knows the things that you are going through. He knows the the pain that you are in. He knows. See, this church, they're, they're, uh, they're facing persecution in two ways. First one is verbal. Right? There's slander from all of these Jews. They're, they're being mocked. They're being ridiculed for their faith, for going to church. And the second part is they're being persecuted through their materials. They're being held back in pay. They're, they're not getting the certain job because of what they believe in and the church that they attend and the fact that they won't worship a pagan God. They are poor in the physical sense but they are rich in a spiritual sense. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 20. He he says this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
See what Jesus is saying, the things of this world, they're dust in your hands, they're not gonna last. But the rewards that you have in heaven, they are eternal. And they'll be waiting for you when you get to the other side of the pearly gate. Verse 10 says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I love this, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. James, he, he writes it like this in chapter one, verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. You and I, we get to have that crown. Here, here's what it might look like for you to be persecuted in America, right? Because in other countries, it's a lot worse than what we have here. But here, here's some ways. Uh, you might... Uh, be considered unpopular because of what you believe. You might be left out of some things. You, actually, people might act different around you than they act around other people. People might start mocking you. They might, you might not get the job you were offered or you might not get that promotion because of what you believe in. Uh, people might not attend your events because you, you know there might be a conversation about God somewhere in there. And, but you might get ridiculed for making a decision that you know honors God. When those things happen, you know that you're being persecuted. And here's what you need to know, it's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever comments that you get, whatever happens to you, whatever's held from you physically, it's worth it. Because it means that you're making an impact in the kingdom here on earth. And when you cross over to the other side of eternity, God's gonna be waiting there, greeting you with the crown of life. And what a day that will be, amen? Here's the second thing that I notice. This church in Smyrna, they live faithfully different. Verse nine shows us that these, they were these Jews that uh, they weren't actually Jews, um, but they were a synagogue of Satan. What's happening here is these, these are Jewish people who, uh, you know, they believe in Yahweh, but they're, they're going to the other temples and worshiping emperors and other gods right? They're people who, who say that they are one thing, but they live another. They're people who say that they love Yahweh, that they love the great I am, but they go and they worship Zeus and they go worship a man statue. This is what's happening. Johnny Cuff, he writes a, a series, uh, and, and the title of it is Booty God Booty. I don't know if anybody in like, you know, the preaching staff has ever said the word booty on stage uh, at Northridge. I, I don't know if I'm proud that I'm the first or just a little bit of shame, but I'm a youth pastor. I should get away with it. Anyways, uh, so John Acuff, he's a famous Christian writer, and in this series, he, he kind of talks about a time when he was driving through Atlanta, and the whole series is based off of this, this thought that he had. He was driving through Atlanta and he, he was trying to search for a radio station. And so he found the people's station. You, you could probably look it up right now. It's still a radio station if you listen to the radio. Uh, I definitely don't. He's rolling through, he's listening to it, and he gets to the, the morning show. And, and the person who's on air, you know, they read this, this really great verse. And, and then they go on and they have this gospel song that just fits so well with it. And then sometimes they, they play this audio clip from a famous pastor who used the same verse, and it's really great. But what John would come to find out is what the, the station was really about, because after this inspirational segment was over, they got back to their normal, their normal music, which was Apple Bottom Jeans by Flo Rida, and Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. See, John, he noticed this pattern. There was this inspirational vitamin about God, 
bookend by booty songs. This is what John would say is the pattern of the church in America. We love God on Sundays, but we don't live it out throughout the week. He says this is the the pattern of most believers. We go to church on Sunday morning, we get that God party on, you know, you get the hands up, worship it, you're out in Main Street and you're serving the kids and all that, but Monday rolls around. Monday rolls around and you head back to the office and it's just that one person you don't like and so you start to gossip about them. And Tuesday, you know, there's that receptionist at the front desk and she's kind of cute. And so you start to flirt with her even though both of you are married. Wednesday, you're on your way home from work and you get cut off by that person on Dunlap. Happens every time. Uh, and you, you give him that magic middle finger. And uh, yeah. Then Thursday, you complain and talk bad about your spouse to, to your friends or coworkers. And then Friday, you go out to dinner and you're impatient and rude with the waitress. And then, and then Saturday rolls around and the game's on and you're stumbling in and out of every bar in town. And, and then Sunday's coming and you know what? You gotta sober up. Because you got to get your God party on. you got to get that God party on. you know, get your hands up and worship. This is the way we act sometimes. We're faithful on Sunday, but throughout the week, there's moments when we're not. Let me tell you this morning, flip-floppy faith is misleading. Flip-floppy faith is misleading. It's misleading to the other believers who are trying to follow your example They don't know how to act, and so they look at you, and they get a poor representation of what it looks like. It's misleading to the unbelievers who who don't really know anything about Jesus, but you're out here claiming that you go to church every Sunday at Northridge, and you're acting this type of way. It's misleading. And so here's my encouragement. If you're the person, and you're faithful day in, minute in, you know, all the way out throughout the rest of the week, that's great. But if not, and you're that person that struggles to be faithful, let me, let me encourage you to do something. Pick a side. Pick a side. Because there's people in this room who are, who are really trying hard to set an example of what it looks like to have faith and be a believer and a Christ follower. What you're doing makes us look like a hypocrite. Please stop. Please stop. You're not helping anybody else. You're not helping us win people for Jesus. Your flip-floppy faith is misleading. Here's what Jesus says about the issue. Be faithful, even to the point of death. Be faithful, even to the point of death. It's not a suggestion. He's telling us what to do. He's telling the church in Smyrna what to do. Here's what it looks like to live faithfully different. It looks like being different at work and not lying, not gossiping to your coworkers, but but being a friend to the coworker that that no one else gets along with. And maybe it's that one person that no one really likes. Go and be a friend to them. It looks like leading your family with Christ as the firm foundation of everything that you do. So that your kids can grow up knowing God better than you ever did and maybe even better than you will. Take them to church. Make it a priority for them. It looks like signing your teen up for the weekend. Uh, just, I'm just adding it in there. 
But no, seriously, it's gonna be awesome. They should really go. Um, no, it, it looks like being faithful in everything that you do. It, it, it looks like, like starting to, to look at other situations and say, you know, how can I bear the fruits of Jesus in this? How can I bear the fruits of this spirit in this conversation, in this relationship? How can you be more faithful and live faithfully different? I'm gonna close with, with a story this morning, uh, and it's about a guy named Polycarp. It's not a Pokemon, I promise. Ah, oh, I thought you guys were gonna laugh at that. Anyways, uh, so Polycarp, uh, he, he is who I believe this letter is written to. Uh, I know that this letter is written to the church first and foremost because uh, that's who it's addressed to. But because God is outside of time and space, it's also written to you and I. And we get to read these words of Jesus and decide to make a change for ourselves. But I think that this letter was written for a man named Polycarp to read. He, he was the disciple of John, the author of this letter. He, he was the bishop of the church in Smyrna. And one day, a mob broke out. A mob broke out and, and they started to find every Christian in, in the town. And this mob, they, they started to pull the Christians into the center of the crowd, and they gave them a choice. And, and they said, hey, here's your choices. One, you can bow down to the statue of Tiberius, or we'll kill you. Not much of any choice for me. They made their choice, some bowed down, and, and others, they were killed. The crowd got so worked up and the mob got in this frenzy and, and, and they all began to shout names of believers that they knew. And, and in unison, they started to chant one name, Polycarp, Polycarp, Polycarp. See, they knew that Polycarp lived so differently than they did that he had to be a Christ follower. They knew that he lived so differently that he, he was the leader of this church that he was so faithful, they knew he was a Christian. The mob found him, and they pull him out in, into the, the crowd, and they approach him with nails in one hand and, and a post in the other. Polycarp knows exactly what's about to happen, and he's gonna let them do it. But he says, no, I will not die the way the king of glory died. And so Polycarp, he was tied up to, the, to, the, to that post and, and they put firewood around him. They lit it and they watched as the flames licked up the post and lick up Polycarp's body. Rumor has it that he didn't burn. Rumor has it that this fire had no power over him. He, he stood there in the middle of these flames, tied to a post, and out of a nowhere, this Roman soldier ran in and, and cut him and killed him. But here's what I believe. I, I believe that Polycarp knew the words that Jesus wrote to him. The words that he wrote to us. Be faithful, even to the point of death. Be faithful, even to the point of death. If we can't be faithful in the small things throughout the week and live differently that way, this situation will never happen to us because persecution only comes to those who live faithfully different in the eyes of unbelievers. 
I wanna encourage you this week, live so faithfully different in the people that you work with. Live so faithfully different in the schools that you are in. Live so faithfully different on the road that people know by your driving that you are a Christian. Be faithful, for he is faithful, even to the point of death. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is spoken for us to have, to hold, to use to change our lives. Father, I pray this morning that that as we leave these rooms that we would go and we would be the church, the church that is on fire for Jesus. That we would go and we would be a believer who is is so different than an unbeliever that, that that unbeliever has to ask questions about who we are that our actions would just speak so loud of your love and your grace. Father, we thank you for your life, for your body, and your blood. Continue to work new in us right now. To set an example of what it looks like to have faith and be a believer and a Christ follower. What you're doing makes us look like a hypocrite. Please stop. Please stop. You're not helping anybody else. You're not helping us win people for Jesus. Your flip-floppy faith is misleading. Here's what Jesus says about the issue. Be faithful, even to the point of death. Be faithful even to the point of death. It's not a suggestion. He's telling us what to do. He's telling the church in Smyrna what to do. Here's what it looks like to live faithfully different. It looks like being different at work and not lying, not gossiping to your coworkers, but but being a friend to the coworker that, that no one else gets along with. And maybe that it's that one person that no one really likes. Go and be a friend to them. It looks like leading your family with Christ as the firm foundation of everything that you do so that your kids can grow up knowing God better than you ever did and maybe even better than you will. Take them to church. Make it a priority for them. It looks like signing your teen up for the weekend. Uh, just, I'm just adding it in there. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's going to be awesome. They should really go. Um, no, it looks like being faithful in everything that you do. It it, it looks like like starting to to look at other situations and say, you know, how can I bear the fruits of Jesus in this? How can I bear the fruits of the Spirit in this conversation, in this relationship? How can you be more faithful and live faithfully different? I'm gonna close with with a story this morning, uh, and it's about a guy named Polycarp. It's not a Pokemon, I promise. Ah, oh, I thought you guys were gonna laugh at that. Anyways, uh, so Polycarp, uh, he, he is who I believe this letter is written to. Uh, I know that this letter is written to the church first and foremost because uh, that's who it's addressed to. But because God is outside of time and space, it's also written to you and I. And we get to read these words of Jesus and decide to make a change for ourselves. But I think that this letter was written for a man named Polycarp to read. He he was the disciple of John, the author of this letter. He he was the bishop of the church in Smyrna. 
And one day, a mob broke out. A mob broke out, and and they started to find every Christian in in the town. And and this mob, they they started to pull the Christians into the center of the crowd, and they gave them a choice. And, And they said, hey, here's your choices. One, you can bow down to the statue of Tiberius, or we'll kill you. Not much of any choice for me. They made their choice, some bowed down, and, and others, they were killed. The crowd got so worked up, and the mob got in this frenzy, and, and, and they all began to shout names of believers that they knew. And, and in unison, they started to chant one name, Polycarp, Polycarp, Polycarp. See, they knew that Polycarp lived so differently than they did that he had to be a Christ follower. They knew that he lived so differently that he, he was the leader of this church, that he was so faithful, they knew he was a Christian. The mob found him, and they pull him out in, into the, the crowd, and they approach him with nails in one hand and, and a post in the other. Polycarp knows exactly what's about to happen, and he's going to let them do it. But he says, No. I will not die the way the king of glory died. And so Polycarp, he was tied up to, the, to, the, to that post and, and they put firewood around him. They lit it and they watched as the flames licked up the post and lick up Polycarp's body. Rumor has it that he didn't burn. Rumor has it that this fire had no power over him. He he stood there in the middle of these flames, tied to a post, and out of nowhere, this Roman soldier ran in and and cut him and killed him. But here's what I believe. I, I believe that Polycarp knew the words that Jesus wrote to him, the words that he wrote to us, be faithful, even to the point of death. Be faithful even to the point of death. If we can't be faithful in the small things throughout the week and live differently that way, this situation will never happen to us because persecution only comes to those who live faithfully different in the eyes of unbelievers. I wanna encourage you this week, live so faithfully different in the people that you work with. Live so faithfully different in the schools that you are in. Live so faithfully different on the road that people know by your driving that you are a Christian. Be faithful, for he is faithful, even to the point of death. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is spoken for us to have, to hold, to use to change our lives. Father, I pray this morning that uh, as we leave these rooms, that we would go and we would be the church, the church that is on fire for Jesus, that we would go and we would be a believer who is, who is so different than an unbeliever that, that that unbeliever has to ask questions about who we are that our actions would just speak so loud of your love and your grace. Father, we thank you for your life, for your body, and your blood. 
continue to work new in us right now. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.